today, we, we just want to thank you guys for being here. We are starting our Christmas uh, season, and so here at Gateway, we like to have a lot of fun with Christmas. We really love Christmas time. And um, I, told the, I told the worship team before service today, I said, I'm not going to do, I wasn't planning on doing a series for Christmas because um, next week is Gateway Christmas, and I, they, I don't get to preach very long, um, or I'm not supposed to, I usually do anyway, but um, I'm really this week, this next week, I'm not going to do long. And so I decided it's, it's not really good to preach a whole series if I'm going to have just smaller messages. Um, but then as I was going through my notes, I realized it's all going to tie together anyway. So, um, so it's going to be a series, there's just no name to it. Um, but today we want to talk about uh, originally I had titled this Why I Celebrate Christmas, but then um, I changed the title today to, to Remember Emmanuel. And so um, we're going to get into that in just a second. But when it comes to Christmas, Christmas, believe it or not, should not be, but is somewhat divisive in Christianity. I don't know if, you've, if you're a part of this or not. I'm not trying to hurt people's feelings today. That's not my goal. But um, there's a lot of places, uh, a lot of pockets of Christianity that don't celebrate Christmas. They don't. They don't think it's right because they say it's a, it's a pagan ritual from the Roman era and we've adopted it. The Christians adopted it and it was, you know, trees are of the devil and, um, and you know, we don't give out gifts and, and we, we, um, we don't celebrate Christmas because of all that. They talk about how Christmas wasn't celebrated on December 25th, that that's not really when Jesus was born. And, and so there's all this early Christianity um, mixture of pagan holidays, and, and we, we just don't understand uh, where it all comes from. And so there's some people in Christianity that don't celebrate Christmas. Now, I can't understand that personally, and you'll, you'll probably see my bias come through in the message today. Um, again, if, if that's you, um, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. Uh, we, we did, uh, one time I was preaching a message and I had no idea that someone in our church believed a certain way, and they had just talked to someone else on staff about, hey, I believe a certain way, and it doesn't necessarily G-Hall with the way um, you guys believe. And I got up that Sunday, no one told me, and I got up that Sunday, and I preached exactly like the verse that this person said they didn't believe, and I preached that same verse, and even used that person as an example. And they got really mad at me, and, um, and, but I didn't know. I had no idea. I've never intended to hurt anybody's feelings, and so today, if this is you, I'm not intending to hurt your feelings. It's just some of the stuff that God's been speaking to me, um, and I've been thinking about, but, but here's the thing that, that I want you to look at really quickly, and, and we're going to give you three reasons um, while we celebrate Christmas today, but, or three things about Christmas we, we need to know, uh, but here's the thing. If, if Christmas is really about the worship of, of uh, Saturnella or whatever the guy's name is, uh, you know, the birth of the sun god and all that kind of stuff, just look around and see how many people after 1900 years are still celebrating him and how many people are still celebrating Christ. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. So the first thing I want you to know today about Christmas is Christmas is going to serve as a reminder. Christmas serves as a reminder. Um, this is an important term that you need to know about reminder because reminders are all throughout scriptures. Um, whether or not you disagree on the date of Christmas, whether or not you disagree on trees, or whether or not you disagree about Santa Claus, or you disagree about, uh, you know, who was worshipped when, pagan, whatever, you need to understand that today, right now, where we stand, Christmas is a reminder. You need to know that the Bible is full of reminders. All throughout the Old Testament, God continually said, and do this to remind yourself of when I did this for you. 
There's all kinds of places. We mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. Even, even in our giving, the Bible says that, that whenever a male um, son was born, that, that uh, when a male son was born, that the Israelites had to give money or go take a, a donkey or a lamb and break its neck in representation for that male son. Why? Because they said, remember how I brought you out of Egypt and the firstborns died. God is constantly trying to help us remember what he's done. And so just quickly, the Bible is full of reminders. I'm going to give you three quick reminders right here. Passover. So if you were Jewish, uh, you would celebrate Passover. Passover was a reminder that God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. And then there was another feast that God established. So they've got the Feast of Passover. It's a big um, celebration. There was a a Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles where the Jews would go out and they would live in little tents, little makeshift tents uh, for a week. And they would celebrate. What are they celebrating? They're celebrating the fact that God provided for them in the wilderness when they didn't have anything. And all they had to live in was little tents. And so they go back and they remind themselves of what God has already done. And then you've got the the Feast of Pentecost, which is uh, it's a it's a harvest feast. Um, and, and it's also uh, representing the day that the Lord gave the law to Moses. I just want you to see that the Bible is full of reminders, full of holidays and celebrations. Like sometimes I think we get in our heads that, that if we have a celebration or we have fun or we have a party that somehow that's wrong. But the Bible is full of celebrations. The, the key to the celebrations is remembering what the celebration was about. That's the key, right? And and I think that's where we get hung up. So the first thing we need to do is remember that Christmas serves as a reminder. The second thing we need to do is we need to not worship the snake. And that snake is Santa Claus. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. We don't need to worship the snake. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, well, here's what it means. In the Old Testament, there's a place where uh, in the Exodus where all of a sudden the people are out in the wilderness and these snakes start coming out. They stir up a bunch of snakes and they start biting people. And the, the problem was, is it, God was punishing them for their complaining, their constant complaining. So if, if any of you complain or you're very negative today, I would be looking out for snakes. Don't go hunting. They might come out, right? And so, so there was, they were complaining. God sends snakes and the snakes begin to bite all the people and people begin to get sick and they begin to die. And so the Bible says that God told Moses, um, the people were, were calling out. They were repenting. They were saying, we're sorry. And God said, take a, a bronze snake and put it on a stick and hold it up and let people look at it. It reminds you a lot of Christ being put on a cross. And whenever we're full of sin and the punishment of sin is death, we look to Christ and we can be saved, right? So that's what it represents in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, it just said, hey, look at this snake and you're going to be healed. And so the people were healed. The problem was, instead of them taking from that situation the idea of if I sin, I go to God for forgiveness and healing. Instead, they started worshiping the stupid snake. They started taking the bronze snake and worshiping the snake. Some of you that work in the medical field, you know, you've ever seen the symbol for medicine. What is it? A stick with a snake. That's what it is, right? And so, but these people started worshiping the snake. And so in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4, the Bible says this. He removed the pagan shrines. This is a, a, a king that had come in and he's, he's making reforms. He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah poles, 
and he broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. The bronze serpent was called uh, Nehushtan, which is just another word for that bronze thing. In other, in other words, this guy just kind of threw it off and said, you know that old bronze thing you've been worshiping? We're breaking it up. We're not worshiping that anymore. What does that have to do with Christmas? Here's what it has to do with Christmas. Sometimes what we do is we can forget the purpose of Christmas. We forget the remind, that Christmas is a reminder and we begin to worship the traditions of Christmas. When Christmas becomes more about the decorations and the presents and the Santa Claus and the tree and the chimney, when that is what Christmas becomes, all of a sudden we're going to find ourselves worshiping the snake and not worshiping the God. And so we need to understand that we can't worship the snake. I'm not saying that gifts are bad. I love gifts. I love to get gifts. I love to give gifts. Gifts are a lot of fun. I ordered two gifts yesterday. And so I like gifts. I'm fine with gifts. I'm fine with the tree. We got a big old tree in our house. We got multiple trees in our house. We got trees in the garage. We got trees everywhere. We like trees in our house. I'm fine with trees. I'm not real big on Santa Claus. Not for anything spiritual, but I don't want someone else getting credit for my hard work and the money that I spend. I want my kids to know who bought that present. That was from dad. Dad's the one that provided, not some guy from the North Pole, right? He's obviously out of shape, doesn't deserve a lot of credit from me. I just threw that one in there. The point is, I'm I'm fine. You want to have your Christmas traditions have your Christmas traditions. I've got mine. A point of contention in our home, in our marriage, for the last 20 years has been Christmas traditions. I'm all about them. (laughs) Perry's always trying to change them, right? Perry's like, I want my own Christmas traditions. I said, you don't have Christmas traditions. (laughs) Perry's Perry's family went to Florida for two weeks every year at Christmas to visit her grandparents. And so they would do Christmas before. I said, we do Christmas before with your mom and your family. And so that's your Christmas tradition. I want to go to Waffle House the night before Christmas every year. I love it. It's my tradition. I want gumbo every Christmas afternoon, right? That's my Christmas tradition. I want cinnamon rolls. And she's like, we got to have some protein. And so we've we've altered some of our traditions. I'm fine with traditions. The problem is you need to remember why you celebrate Christmas. If we get too concerned with the traditions, we'll start worshiping the snake. And then all of a sudden, Christmas becomes about the gifts. You know the best Christmas I think I ever had? It's probably one of my favorite Christmases ever. Was one Christmas, Perry and I had been in the hospital. Um, I had been in the hospital for a while. And while I was in the hospital, uh, Perry, behind my back, began to just pay off all of our debt. And she just kept using all, I guess because I wasn't there to spend money, she just started using all of our income to just pay off any debt that we had. And so we got to the point um, outside of our house at that time where all we had left was my vehicle and, um, and we had debt on my vehicle. And Perry just said, why don't we just dump our savings account and pay off the vehicle? And I said, well, Christmas is going to be very slim this year. If we do that, we're going to be absolutely broke. And so that year, um, just kind of by faith, trust in God, uh, we dumped our entire savings account, saved $1,000. The only money we had in our bank account was $1,000. We dumped everything else into our debt, paid off our, all of our debts, except for our house at the time. And so that Christmas, we just told our family, hey, we don't have any money. You're not getting much from us. 
And I remember going to TJ Maxx and we found two little stuffed animals that we got for Gabriel. He was a, he was a baby at the time or young at the time. And, um, and I just remember that was probably one of the best Christmases I've ever had because there was no pressure to buy gifts for anybody. There was no pressure to receive from anybody. We just were able to enjoy Christ and we had a lot of fun. No, this year, still buy me gifts. Um, <laughs> we're not going there. The third thing is to understand what Christmas is a reminder of. So Christmas is a reminder. Don't worship the snake. That's a warning. And then three is, well, if I'm not going to worship the snake, what am I going to worship? What is Christmas a reminder of? Christmas is a reminder of a promise that we find in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Now, there was a man named uh, Ahaz. And Ahaz is in trouble. He's the king of Judah at the time. And he has heard rumor that the uh, Syrians and the Israelites are coming against him. So at that time, the the nation of Israel, the, the Jewish people, I should say, was split between Judah and Israel. And, um, and so Ahaz hears that they're both teaming up to attack him. And whenever he hears that, he gets very worried. He gets very upset. And so in that, in that story where God is promising provision and promising to help Ahaz, there's a promise given, and it's a sign. Now, now you need to understand, biblical scholars have, have torn this apart many times. This prophecy that I'm about to read to you is a prophecy for Ahaz for that time. But like many prophecies in the Bible, they not only are for one moment, therefore another moment as well. So there's plenty of times in the Bible where God gives a prophecy, a word for the moment, but there's a future intention for it as well. And so I want you to to read this with me. It's Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. All right, then the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. If you fast forward to Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 through 23, it's going to tell us, it's going to show us that this is actually a prophecy, yes, for Ahaz, but also a prophecy for the rest of us. Because in Matthew chapter 1, in speaking of the birth of Jesus Christ, it says this, all of this occurred, talking about Mary and Joseph, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message Brought through his prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So today what I want to do in taking this understanding, I want to break down the promise, the reason that we worship, the reason that we celebrate Christmas. So it's a reminder. We don't worship our traditions. What do we worship? We worship Emmanuel. We celebrate the promise of Emmanuel, which means God with us. So in those three words today, I'm going to take three points. We're going to, we're going to go through all three of those words, um, and we're going to just read it in a, with different emphasis. Have you ever heard the phrase, uh, the phrase uh, they put the emphasis on the wrong syllable? You ever heard that before? Well, today we're going to put the emphasis on the right syllable. Um, We're going to put emphasis on different words. So the first thing today we're going to look at is the idea that God is with us. God is with us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, it says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. 
Romans 8.3 says the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So the first thing we need to understand today when we celebrate Christmas, what we're doing is we're celebrating Emmanuel. We're celebrating God with us. That God himself showed up. God didn't send a prophet or a priest. God didn't send a preacher. God didn't send some special person. He didn't send an angel. He showed up himself on this earth. He wrapped himself up in skin and bones just like we have. To live like we lived. To suffer like we suffer. To do the things that we have to do. He showed up himself. I was just writing some things down. He chose some things for us. No substitutes, just him. He chose to live our life. He chose our pain and our suffering. He chose to be celebrated one minute and rejected the next. He chose to be loved and he chose to be betrayed. He chose to die for each and every one of us. God showed up. Have you ever had one of those moments where you need to meet with your boss about something very important? And you go to meet with the boss and all you get is the number two guy. All you get is the number two guy. And then what happens? You end up having to talk to the number two guy. And then you end up having to talk to the boss later. Like like you don't get the boss. It's always better when the boss shows up. Have you ever had one of those moments where, where someone says, hey, I'll be willing to help you. And then they just send someone else to come help you. I've had that before whenever we've had um, construction things going on or, or work being done. I, 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 had, I had someone one time was going to build something for me. And I, I said, hey, could you, could you help me out with this? I'm going to pay you. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll help you out. I'll be there. I'll, I'll oversee. I'll do this. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of dudes showed up that I'd never seen before. They didn't care anything about me. And they just built the thing and didn't build it very good. And I thought, but if the boss would have shown up himself, this would have been done right. God didn't send a substitute. He said, I'm showing up myself. I'll be the one. I'll put myself on the cross. I'll be the one to be the substitute for you, but I won't send a substitute. I'll be there. So the first thing we need to know is every time we celebrate Christmas, we're not just celebrating a baby. We're celebrating a God that decided to show up. A God that decided to be the man and be the one that would show up as a baby, frail and weak, Can you imagine the humility of someone that's all powerful but decides to show up as a little baby, to show up as a fetus, to show up as a clump of cells, right? That's why we that's why we're anti-abortion. We're pro-life because God himself showed up as that clump of cells. That was his path to get to the world. So it's important for us to see today the first thing we celebrate is God with us. The next one I want to look at is God with us. God with us. God could have shown up for anybody, but he showed up for us. The Bible says this in John 3, 16, that God gave. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his, only, uh, his one and only son, that, uh, so everyone that believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You need to understand something today. 
God showed up. Yes, why did he show up? He showed up because he loves. And he doesn't love just anybody. He loves everybody. He doesn't just love the perfect. He loves all of us. Romans 5, 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. In other words, he wasn't waiting on me to get right. He wasn't waiting on me to, 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 to quit my addiction. He wasn't waiting on me to, to find him. He wasn't waiting on me to do everything perfect. He showed up even when I was still a sinner. Why? Because he loves me that much. He loves me that much. Does that mean that I can stay a sinner? No, it doesn't mean you can stay a sinner. It means that, that we reciprocate that love by giving our life to him. Why? Because he loves us. He loves the sinners and the saints. Uh, the Bible says in John 15, 13, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So not only does he love us, but he calls us friends. God is a giver and he loves us. He chose to be with us. God with us. Have you ever been around someone that smells really bad? I remember I went on a trip one time and we were going to this church service and, and I put on deodorant in the morning, but it's like that old saying, my right guard went left. Somewhere along the way, my deodorant stopped working and, and I got down and I got to the hotel and we had to go to a church service that night and I didn't realize this, but I didn't have any deodorant with me. I didn't bring it. I left it at the house. And so I go to this church service and I didn't know that I smelled bad. Most people don't know they smell bad. Right? And so I didn't know I smelled bad. And we get in the church service and I'm standing next to this person and, um, and we begin to worship. And as we're worshiping, I lifted my hands. And when I lifted my hands, she was a little bit shorter than me. And I noticed that she kept turning her head away from me. She began to worship with her back to me. She began to turn green and start to faint. And I thought it was the Holy Spirit, but it was my armpits. I smelled bad. I didn't know I smelled bad, but I smelled bad. Sometimes when you're around people, right, you're around someone that smells bad, like I smelled bad, she wanted to get away from me. Here's the thing. God showed up even though we're full of sin. He loved us no matter what we smelled like, no matter what we looked like, no matter what we act like. He still shows up right in the middle of us. He doesn't show up on the outside. He shows up right there with us. God with us, all of us. And there's some of us today in this room, and we may be thinking about the things that we've done. We may be thinking about, you know, uh, how, how could God love me after what happened? How could God love me after this? Listen, he loves you no matter what. He loves you. The other thing that he does, though, when it comes to us, not only does he give, and this is why I like to give presents, because God is a giver, and so I need to be a giver, right? And so, so here's the other thing. Not only does he give us that new life, not only did he die for our sins, but he gave us a reason for living. He gave us a purpose and a destiny. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, we read this earlier, but I'm going to read the second half of it. So it says that, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Right? That's what we just talked about. But then it says this, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He gave us the message. He's entrusting me. I'm a nobody. I'm a nothing. I, I'm nothing special. I don't have all the degrees and the education. I, I'm not the most eloquent. I, I, I don't have all the best things. I'm not the richest. I'm not the tallest. I definitely don't have the best hair. 
Like there's a lot of me that, that's nothing. And God trusted me to share his message. Here's the crazy thing. Some of you might be looking at me right now and you're saying, yeah, but you're a preacher. It's your job to share the message. Right? You're a professional Christian. He, he entrusted each and every one of us to share the message. If he saved you, he gave you the message. He gave you the blueprint. And now all he's asking you to do is share it with someone else. So, so in your Christmas celebration, whenever you open presents, what do you need to be reminded of? You need to be reminded that every time I open up a present that somebody gives me, when, when my kids give me a present, I open that present, and I should be reminded that God gave his son for me. God gave his son to be with me. And then whenever I give a gift to someone else, when I give Perry a present, or I give uh, Gabriel a present, or Emma a present, whenever I give them a present, I need to be reminded that God has something inside of me that I can give away. There's a message in me that I need to be giving to other people. That not, it's not just for the professionals. It's for all of us. It's for all of us. And then the last one is this. God with us. So we've had God with us. We've had God with us. And now we have God with us. Some of y'all think, this dude's going crazy. He's about to have a stroke on stage. I promise you, it kind of makes sense. So one of the things, I didn't put this in my notes today, I don't know why, but in worship I started uh, looking back at it and I highlighted it in my, in my Bible on my phone. But in the story of Ahaz, um, when, when Ahaz, when God begins to speak to Ahaz, here's what, here's what God says to Ahaz. He says, tell him to stop worrying. Tell him he doesn't need to fear the fierce anger of those two burned out embers, King Rezin of Syria and Pekah, son of Remaliah. I love that. Here's what God says to Ahaz. Stop worrying. You don't need to fear. But a lot of times what happens is that for us here in this life, especially this time of year, people begin to worry. They begin to fear. Maybe they've suffered loss. Maybe they're, they're afraid of the future. They're afraid of what's going to happen next year. And we begin to worry and we begin to have fear. I love the fact that we sang um, the Sound Mind song. I love it. It fits perfectly with what we're about to talk about. Because here's the thing. When, when Ahaz was full of fear, what was the promise God gave him? God says, a virgin will conceive a son and he will be named Emmanuel, which means God with us. We don't have to fear. Why? Because God is with us. He's here with us. And you may say, yeah, but Gabriel, Jesus left and he's not here with us now. Well, he sent the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he sent the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, here's what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. Power, love, and self-discipline. I want to look at those really quickly in, in light of what we're talking about, about God being with us. Because some of us, as soon as I said God gave you the message... You immediately started thinking, I can't go tell somebody about him. I can't go tell somebody the message. I'm going to leave that up to Gabriel. I'll invite him to church and let Gabriel do all the talking. No, 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 it's not about me. You've got the message inside of you. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
At Easter, at Fourth of July, at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, you will tell people about me. Your Christmas celebration, the way you celebrate, will be a reminder to yourself, but it'll be a message to everyone else. I'm going to put power in you to be my witness to everybody else, to share the message that I've given you. Ephesians 3, 16 says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. The Holy Spirit not only gives us power to share the message, he gives us power to live for him. He gives us inner strength every day, every day. The second thing is this, and the band can come on up. It says power, love. John 14 16 through 17 talks about the Holy Spirit and what Holy Spirit does as far as loving us. It says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. That word helper also means comforter. A comforter is somebody that's there to to comfort you. Have you ever noticed that like whenever you're kind of down and out, one of the best things like to do is get in your bed and pull the comforter up around you. It just feels good. It feels good. Perry this year asked for a weighted blanket for Christmas. And I've just been thinking about that and, 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 and doing my research. No surprise now. I mean, I guess you know I've been doing research. So, so I've been doing research. And one of the things I say is it feels like someone is hugging me. You know, it's like I get under this weighted blanket and it feels like someone's hugging me. Except for one bad review that says it was too heavy. It felt like someone was suffocating me. You got to be strong. You got to be strong to be comforted. But the Holy Spirit is a comforter. He's here, to pour out his love. He's here to pour out his love on us. The Bible says that I will give you another helper or comforter to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now listen to this. In light of the Holy Spirit, in light of God with us, it says you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And we know that the promise of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, was more than just the Holy Spirit being around us. The Holy Spirit wants to dwell in us. After Christ left, the Bible is really, from that point forward, is really about the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls you and I the temples of the... No one knew that, but it's Holy Spirit. It wasn't supposed to be a trick question. The Bible says we have the fruits of the... Gifts of the... So, so after Christ left, now all of a sudden it's about the Holy Spirit living not only with us, but in us. He loves us that much. He gave us the spirit of self-discipline. John 14, 26, but the Father sends the advocate, comforter, helper as my representative. That is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Sometimes we get worried about I don't know the words to say. I don't know how to live. I don't know how to do the things I'm supposed to do. But the Holy Spirit, if we will lean on him, if we'll trust in him, he will teach us everything. John 16, 8 says, And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. One of the things I ask the Holy Spirit to do in me always is, God, give me that kind of sound mind, that self-discipline by showing me, convict me of what is sin and convince me of what is righteous. Help me to turn away from what's wrong and turn towards what's right. That's how the Holy Spirit, that's how God is with us. And I think sometimes we just, we just want God to be with us in the same way that Santa Claus is with us. That he shows up once a year and, and, and leaves some presents and then 
and then he's gone. We expect God just to show up on a Sunday morning and, and maybe, maybe speak to our heart or, or, or encourage us or, 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 or give us a positive vibe. But really it's about the Holy Spirit being with us all the time, living in you and through you every day. Every day. So how do we remember Emmanuel at Christmas? Three things, and, and the next three messages are going to be about these three things. So just giving you a heads up. Just a heads up. One way we can remember him is we make room for him. If he, if God is with us, then we need to create space for God to operate. We need to create space for God to operate. I don't know if you noticed this morning, you, you may have, you may not have, but, but during worship this morning, so Pastor Jonathan and, and the team, they're singing the last song, and they get kind of towards the end of the last song, and, and they're almost done, and, and one of the things that happened is I was sitting on the front row, and I'm looking at my dad. My dad was already up here, and I'm trying to get his attention because I wanted to say, let's just keep rolling a little bit. I feel like, I feel like God might want to do something, and, and he didn't see me, and Pastor Jonathan didn't see me, but what Pastor Jonathan did is all of a sudden he decided, now look, I can play my three songs, and, and I can get off stage, and I can do the 20-minute thing, or I can create a little space right here for God to move. And so he starts talking about having a sound mind. And, and all of a sudden, God begins to move in some of your hearts and some of your minds. And he talked about putting his hand over his heart. Listen, what he's doing is creating some space, creating room within the worship set. You would think the whole thing is about Christ. But sometimes, sometimes as a pastor like me that's very, you know, rigid sometimes in, in the way I think, it's like, oh, we got to get to this and we got to get to that. And I love it whenever, whenever we just create some space in our Christmas celebration in reminding ourselves of who Emmanuel is, we need to create some space. If it's all in the practical sense, if it's all about the presence, we've missed it. We've missed it. Listen, if it's all about family being together, we've missed it. That's a part of it. Don't get me wrong. It's got to be about him. It's got to be about him. In the Old Testament, one of the things they would do whenever they would have their big celebration, they would say, oh, it's Passover time, it's Festival of Weeks, it's, it's Festival of Tabernacles, it's Pentecost. One of the first things they did before the family got together, before they exchanged gifts, before they did anything else, the first thing they did is they made a sacrifice to God. They, they worshipped Him. They created space for the Spirit of God to move in their lives. I want to encourage you this season... Christmas isn't about December 25th. He was probably born in the spring. It's about celebrating him, right? So for this season, let's start creating some space. Maybe that means we've got to wake up a little bit earlier. Maybe that means we've got to turn off the TV a little bit earlier. Maybe that means that, that the family gets together and does a little devotion. I don't know what it means for you and your family and your personal life, but we need to create some room for Christ to move in us. We need to trust him. So we make room for him. We need to trust him. What does that mean? If he is with us, then we need to trust him. Someone that's with you is there to protect you, to walk alongside you. Have you ever been in a scary old house by yourself? I have. I've been in a church by myself at night in the dark, and that's scary. This church is scary when you're by yourself. In the mornings when I get here, sometimes the crows show up with me and they begin to peck on the windows and on the ceiling and I think people are trying to break in. You think I'd be tougher than that, but I'm not. It scares me sometimes. 
but it always feels better when someone else shows up. When someone else is in the room, there's comfort in that because I can trust that person. So whenever, whenever we're in this, we need to learn how to trust God, trust Jesus, trust the Spirit, even if it's uncomfortable. We need to trust Him because He's with us. And last but not least, we need to live for Him. If He is with us, if they're having a party upstairs and I love it. If He is with us, it's important for us to understand that He has given us the message. And when He gives us the message, we got to do something with it. We got to live for Him. Why don't you stand up with me this morning? The ultimate gift, the ultimate gift that you can give someone else is the gospel, right? That's the ultimate gift you can give someone else is the gospel. But the ultimate gift you can ever receive is the gospel. And there may be some of us in the room today that we're not living for Christ. There may be some of us in the room today that we've never submitted our hearts to him. Sure, we go to church and and, and we do the Christmas thing and we've got the nativity set on the mantle, but we've never truly submitted our whole life to Christ. We've never truly repented of our sins and trusted him that even if it feels uncomfortable, we're going to live for him. Even if it doesn't look like what we thought it was going to look like, we're going to live for him. And if that's you this morning, my prayer team, my friends are going to come down to the front and we want to pray with you today. But if you need to get things right with Christ, if you need him to be with you and in you today, you need to submit your life to him. We want to pray with you. Maybe you got some other stuff going on in your life today. Maybe, maybe there's some issues in your family. There's some issues in your home. Whatever the case is, Christ is with you today. Not me. I can't go home with you. I can't help you at your house. I can't help you at your job. I'm not the one that's going to be there for you whenever you're hurting and broken. God is. God with us. He's here. And he's here for you today. Why don't you bow your heads this morning? I'm going to pray. And when I get done praying, Pastor Jonathan and the team, they're going to sing one more song. And as they sing, if you need prayer for anything, I want you to slip out of your seat and come down to the front. Let us pray with you this morning. But let me pray right now over you. God, I just pray over this room. I pray over each and every individual in this place. I thank you that you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. You're not sending a substitute today. You want to show up. It's not about the words of Gabriel or the prayers of Jay. It's about you showing up and touching our lives. We need you today. And God, we don't just need you around us. We need you with us. We don't just need you in heaven. We need you on earth. We need you every day. So we need your Holy Spirit. And so God, today, if we don't have you, if we're not serving you, if we're not in love with you, we just ask that you would help us to repent today. Help us to turn away from our sin and accept the fact that you are the Messiah, that you died for my sins, that you're the one that showed up in the flesh just for me. And God, today we want to turn to you and we want your spirit to live in us. And God, today you showed up for us, broken, beaten, messed up, strung out, in sin. God, some of us, maybe, maybe we hadn't sinned a lot. Maybe we were just religious, God, and we, we did all the things and we put on a show. But God, at the end of the day, you showed up for all of us, not just the good ones. You showed up for all of us. And so we thank you for that this morning. We love you so much in Jesus' name. If you need prayer this morning, slip out of your seat and come down to the front.